In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. We got an awesome show for you today. We are here with the one and only Natalia Varela. I hope I said that correctly. Yeah, you did. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> She's an audio artist, a sound designer, a sound engineer. She's worked with major global brands, creating engaging audio visual content for TV, social media, radio, film. She is the first Salvadorian to win a WIFT award, which is the Women in Film and Television. That sounds awesome. We're going to learn all yeah. about it. And um, Natalia, thanks for spending some time with me this morning. Did I leave anything out there? Um, no, I think you, you covered <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. It's, it's such an interesting time to be alive, too. Yeah. As much as, as, as much as calamity seems to be out there, there seems to be a lot of opportunities. And it seems to me that you have found a unique way to live your life. And I wanted to help amplify that message. And maybe you can inspire some other people to do some things like that. So what? But maybe we could just start off with where you're from and how you got to be where you are. Sure. Yeah. So I'm originally from El Salvador. Uh, it's in Central America. Uh, for those who are not familiar with it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I moved to Europe when I was like 14, 15, just because of my, uh, my my dad's job. Um, so we had to move around a lot. So I lived like five years in the Netherlands. Uh, then I lived a couple years in Belgium. Then I went to uni to study sound uh, in London, uh, UK. Um, and after that, I went back to El Salvador. And just like you, I um, ended up meeting my husband and staying longer than I planned um, and stirred a family. And then we uh, decided to move here to Canada just a few months ago. Um, so we're here in uh, Montreal. It's amazing to me. I How big of like I have learned in my life that traveling 
at a younger age, if you're lucky enough to do it, has long lasting effects on the way you see the world. Did you find that to be similar? Oh, absolutely. Especially coming from a country like El Salvador, it's a very like conservative country. Um, So um, I can see the difference uh, when I go back uh, with people that haven't left um, and how they kind of still view uh, the world and uh it's not that it's bad it's just different um and yeah it does open up uh, i think you can become a a lot more empathetic because you just realize this there's just so many different people when i went to uh to school in in the netherlands i went to an international school so like in my class there was people from like all over the world it was like we had people from israel from uh from China, from Africa, from South America, you know, they had me <laughs> uh, from El Salvador. I think I was the first. Um, and yeah, we, we just all got along together. And that's just so enriching. Like you just, you know, you just learn that just everyone's coming from a different place. And it's not really your place to tell everyone what to believe, what to think. You just got to accept that everyone's just kind of in their own path. Um, and I think like in today's context, that's so important with so much like, I don't know, like in social media, you can find nowadays like a lot of like uh, people really like defending like, a, I don't know, like, I don't want to say an agenda, just like view, like the, their own view, like this is how people should think. And it's like, no, everyone has their own right to think how they think, you know, uh, they're just on their own path. And I think when you travel, you really just get to like experience that just really um, just learn that everyone is just different and the best you can do is just accept them. Yeah, that's really well said. And it sometimes it can be hard because especially if, if you live so long in one spot, you really begin to build up like that cultural residue on you, you know, and you begin to see things in a way that people have always seen. I and mean, like you said, it's not bad. It's just different. Yeah. And so... How how much of effect did that have on you choosing to become become someone who's working with sound? Like, what inspired you to do that? Um. Okay. So, honestly, like how I got into sound, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that inspired much. I think it was just me being like, um, like a teenager, and I loved going to concerts. Like, I would just any any money that I could like save, I would spend it on concerts. I I loved it. So I thought like, okay, if I like being concerts so much, why don't I work in concerts? And I wanted to be like a live sound engineer. Um, but then when I started uni, I realized I didn't like that. Like, it's not the same, like going to concerts than working in one as a sound engineer. It's absolutely stressful. It's like, you don't enjoy the concert. <laughs> uh, so I was like, yeah, I, I don't like this. But then in uni, I... Um, they they don't like I studied audio production, so you do cover live sound, but you cover other areas as well. Um, so I uh, when we saw the module on uh, like post production, I fell in love with it. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do, um, and I, I just loved the idea of like getting like something with no sound, like a film with no sound, and just recreating it all. Like I found that was like so much fun, and it just uh, opened so much possibilities so that's kind of the path i i went for and i started working in radio as well just because i i like music so much um so i started like doing internships in radio 
and having my own radio shows and producing radio shows. So I just kind of went on the radio and uh, post-production kind of uh, path. And that's that's how I got into sound, actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a fascinating medium. And I don't know if a whole lot of people really take time to think about how important a sense it is. Like, you know, the voice of your mother, the voice of yeah. your child or the voice of a loved one and you yeah. know the sounds in the street like we're just surrounded by all these different sounds and they have so much there's so much meaning and relationship that comes from the sounds that we hear that we might not even be aware of what what yeah what do you what do you can you talk a little bit more about you know what it is that you act like you're you're putting sound to silent films or you're you're building in a soundtrack or you're working with video games like what what are some other ways that you work with sound um uh well i think like just kind of touching back on what you started yeah, with like that people please. don't really re like realize and we joke a lot in this job that like people realize our job like if we do it badly <laughs> like you're just it's just something that comes in so like naturally you're not thinking about it that much unless something's wrong right you know so if you go see a movie and like the the sound is like well done you're not gonna think about it but if there's like an error in the sound or something like that you'll be like immediately and it's yeah. funny how like you know, a lot of people don't really um pay that much attention to it but it's when making it like a film or uh, whatever media you're doing, like if you don't have sound, it's like 50%, it's like 50-50 what you see and what you hear. Um, if you don't have sound, you don't really have a movie unless it's like a silent film, you know? And uh, just music can like really control your emotions. Like if you yeah. if you have like a, a piece of music uh, in certain scenes, uh, without that piece of music, the scene can be like completely different. Like it just dictates so much, but it's just, um, it's pretty subtle, I guess, if you do it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, with sound, uh, that's mostly what I do. Um, like I mentioned, like radio as well. And I do, um, I do some meditations with like, uh, with like different like frequencies like i nice. i like to yeah i like to listen to i just put it like on youtube i just listen to certain frequencies um as i'm kind of like falling asleep or meditating mm -hmm. because i i feel like it puts me in like certain state and yeah. um i like that i was um experimenting a lot with like lucid dreaming and nice. um yeah i was also, uh, and i i got pretty good at it <laughs> um and then i kind of wanted to like, transition to like um astral projection um so i know that like there's this there is like this binaural beats that you can right. play and it puts you like in certain state uh but i haven't uh, managed to do it by myself it just happened like spontaneously without doing that um but yeah that's another use that um i give to sound is like use it for to like enter certain meditative states yeah that is awesome i was i've been i've seen like the 532 megahertz frequency and i've listened to some different binaural beats and things like that and i, I have to agree that it, it definitely puts you into 
a trance-like state. And if you look back into different cultures, you can see people using drumming and, you know, different drum circles and different ceremonies, but there always seems to be a component of sound in there that helps us get to that certain spot like that. I'm wondering if... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I know that like in um, like the the Tibetan like um, yeah. like the the sound bowls. I know yep. that they're tuned to like a certain frequency, and uh, I think I I'm not an expert in it, but I know kind of like the 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 science behind it is that um, it, well, they believe that each of those tunings, each of the frequencies uh, that the the bowl emits, um, it's kind of like in kind of like um it matches each one of the chakras so when you mm-hmm. go on like a sound healing session what they do is just just kind of play these different frequencies uh while you're laying down so that they kind of like balance each of your energetic points that uh people call chakras yeah I, you know now that you think about that i think that there's all kinds of experiments that could be done i know that when you're sleeping, you go into like different states of, of brain waves, like yeah. theta and beta. And I'm wondering, I, I'm willing to bet, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of money, but I'd bet a dollar. I would bet <laughs> $1 that the certain frequencies, whether it's the 532 or whether it's the sound bowls, I bet you those frequencies match up our brain wave. So if you're going to be in a lucid dreaming state, which is like a, a, a deep beta wave, or I'm not sure, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. But I bet you that those sound waves match up and they kind of make your brain go in tune with that sound like that, which brings us to sound waves. Like, first off, does that first part of what I said make sense? And second off, what do you know about the waves and matching up like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it does make sense. I think like you said, um, I probably there are some studies. I don't know. I haven't yeah. looked much yeah. into it, but uh, it, that'd be interesting to to look into uh, if there have been any any uh, any kind of tests done before. But uh, yeah, it, it totally makes sense. Just because, yeah, like you said, when we're entering uh, different states, like the, an REM state or like mm-hmm. a beta state, um, like the brain is emitting different types of type, types of waves, and in the end, sounds are waves. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then that that brings into the idea, like if you look at people who use like psychological techniques of like neuro-linguistic programming, if I begin to talk like this, then yeah. you may understand what I'm, you know, like people start using different cadences, which is basically just changing the sound, changing the waves in which we, in the way in which we communicate. It's, it's so fascinating how it's all interconnected like that. Yeah. What... What can you tell us about one of the lucid dreams that you had? Oh yeah, I can tell you a lot about that. Uh, so basically, I started like learning about lucid dream, and I was like, uh, I was so fascinated by it. I was like, I have to do it. I have to try it, and I got pretty good at it. Um, so basically, well, for those that are not familiar with lucid dreaming, it's kind of like uh, kind of training yourself. What well, you can do it without training yourself, it can happen just by itself. A lot of people. Most people have uh, had the experience of like waking up in their dreams, like just realizing they're dreaming, right? Um, so, but there's ways that you can train your brain uh, to kind of find cues in a dream uh, to find out that you're dreaming. Um, so, I I did this like course on Mind Valley on lucid dreaming, and I read a couple books uh, to kind of like 
really learn how to do it properly. And so the first thing you kind of want to do is um, you want to keep a dream journal just because you could be having lucid dreams and just wake up and not realizing it. And it's kind of like a muscle. Like the more you like wake up and uh, write down your dreams and remember it like consciously, the more you're going to remember it. Like by the second week, um, I was remembering even like three dreams a night just from writing down every day. And then after that, what you want to do is like, um, can I give your brain a cue during the day? So I would do is I put an alarm and just going to like look at my hand uh, when I see that alarm. Can I go like this? Or um, I would also uh, do like this because in the dream, it would kind of like go through. Uh, so I would do that like, I don't know, 10 times a day. And so you, that goes into your subconscious. So then you start doing it in your dream. So then you're going to be dreaming. And then you're going to do that and then you're going to realize, oh, I'm dreaming because in your dreams, like your brain is not very good at like replicating your hand. So you're always going to see your hand. It's going to be like an extra finger or it's going to like go through. Um, so, yeah, I started I started doing that. And the first lucid dream <laughs> that I had after training, um, I was so excited. Like when I realized that I was dreaming, I dreamt that I was like in this theater. I was in this theater with like these people like next to me and I was like oh my god I'm dreaming and I did it without the reality check these are called reality checks what you kind of do for um for uh, remembering your dreaming I did it without the reality check I, I think just from reading about lucid dreaming I just did it in my dream and um so when I realized I just started telling everyone and that's like the 101 of what not to do in a lucid dream <laughs> because you freak everyone out so I told the person next to me oh my god this is a dream and they were so offended they were like oh what and then this alarm came on and everyone was like it's <laughs> chaos and I woke up and so I was like okay I got a note down not to tell anyone in the dream <laughs> that you're dreaming. Uh, but I was just so excited. Um, and yeah, I kept having more. And you can have like, kind of like, like you can see patterns in your dreams. Like I remember this was like when I was in El Salvador and I, I had just, I had come back from Europe and I kept dreaming that I was in Europe. Um, I keep having this recurring dream. So then I wrote down in my notebook, like whenever I dream I'm in Europe, like be suspicious because I'm not. And so, um, so that's, that was another reality check. So then when I, when I was in my dream in Europe, I was like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be in Europe. So is this a dream? And then you do a check and then you're like, yeah, this is a dream. Okay, great. I can go flying. And it's really interesting. Like apart from having fun, you're having like this, window this access to your subconscious so there's like a lot of like healing that you can do with it so um nightmares are basically like a suppressed version of things we have inside you know it's like a suppressed part of yourself so um if you go ahead and have a nightmare you can kind of come to terms with it like as scary as it can be you can like kind of hug that monster or whatever you see in your dream and that's kind of like reintegrating this like dark side of yourself so it can be like a really really healing experience like you can use it for 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 a lot of stuff you can also like i've uh, read about people using it to um to heal kind of kind of reprogram their mind uh from like addictions to like cigarettes yeah. and and stuff like that um and like training um you know before having to do like a speech or like sports 
there's been a lot of studies on like um, athletes using lucid dreaming to to train and yeah it's just such an interesting world i really like would suggest people that are interested in it to like read about it or do a chorus because it's just apart from fun like the fun you can have in a dream when you can control everything like there's a lot of like healing that you can do and things that you can come to terms with that sounds fascinating how yeah how, how long did it take you before from like reading the books and researching to actually being able to hugging to like to be able to do some work on your subconscious uh like three weeks it's not that much but you have to be like doing it every day right yeah but yeah it's not it's not hard like you, you you'd be surprised how easily your subconscious picks up on like on like these reality checks and cues and everything like i mentioned like the first one was just from reading the book that i did it by myself i had just thought about losing dreaming so much that it happened and then uh and then i was having like uh one or two lucid dreams a week just from doing it every every day and it's crazy because like it's this it's kind of feels like being in the matrix because everything you you touch things and they feel real like i remember having this dream of being in like my my childhood home and i don't know why it wasn't even complete you know when there's like a render 3d render and it's still blue like half of it was like blue i was like this isn't finished but okay i'm gonna go here and then i went to this plant and i there was this fruit and i touched it and i was like this is insane i can feel how cold it is like you can feel textures you can feel like everything like it's it's really interesting how the brain can like trick you. You can feel stuff in it. So it's it's really cool. And yeah, I've done a, lo- a lot of different crazy things. Once I I constructed this like massive like um, statue, like work of art, just like in like, I don't know, I'm not even like an, an artist, like, you know, a plastic artist, but I just constructed it and it just felt amazing it's there's so much that you can do it's it's limitless like you can do whatever you want there it's it's really cool it's a really cool world to like dive into yeah that sounds amazing and another point that i picked up on is that right in the beginning of that that in the beginning of the story you had mentioned that it's amazing what your subconscious picks up on it seems like you to learn about who you are and what you're doing in waking life while you're in the dream state, which usually seems the opposite way. You know, it's kind of fascinating to think about from that angle. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, so I'm a big fan of psychedelics. Yeah. And I, I, I really enjoy the, one of the things I really enjoy about them is the different way it allows me to see myself and the way I can interact in the world. And I'm wondering what's your take on psychedelics and have like, do you think that like a lucid dream is sort of like an acid trip or maybe like a mushroom trip? Or have you thought about comparing those two? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm not that experienced with like having psychedelic trips to really tell you, but it seems from the logic of it that, um, well, when we dream, we are like, I know from what I've read that you're kind of using some DMT that's naturally in your brain, right? And in the end, psychedelics, uh, you're taking a big dose of DMT. So it would make sense that in the end, you're kind of exploring your subconscious mind somehow. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I think you could 
you you would be able to maybe mm -hmm. tell us more about it uh, since you've had more uh, more experience with that. What kind of like uh, psychedelics like do you, like psilocybin or or what 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 are you talking about specifically? Mostly psilocybin. Like I've yeah. I've tried like lots of different kinds, but in the last few years, I've concentrated mostly on that. Okay, and it seems to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. And have you an ayahuasca? Have you tried ayahuasca as well? I haven't. I okay. I grow ayahuasca, and like I oh. for for me, like I got both plants, and I figured out. Like I've I've tried to make it multiple times, and I've got the purge part right, but not so much the trip part right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I figured myself like you know what. Once I figure out how to make it, then I'll be ready to take it, you know. But so I've been reading up and trying to learn different recipes on it. And I figure eventually I'll get the recipe right. And when I do get the recipe right, that's like the world telling me, like, okay, now you're ready to take it. Like you figured out how to make it. Now you can take it. But mm -hmm. I, I haven't I haven't tried it so far. But I have okay. tried lots of psilocybin. Psilocybin, and yeah. LSD, some derivatives, some analogs of LSD. I uh, okay. have yet I've not tried ketamine. So pretty pretty much just those ones, really. Yeah. I've never tried the two CBs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I do find it fascinating. I think that on high doses, that it, it is like a lucid dream in a lot of ways. Not so yeah. much that you see unfinished walls or not so much that you get to see entire dreamscapes, but that you have more of a open eyes and closed eye geometric shapes, you know, like, like there's been times where I've taken them and it, it's been such a strong dose that I can have my eyes open and I see like a tetrahedron just like moving in front of me. And I'm like, what is this thing right here? And it's accompanied by this, like this crazy sound, like a helicopter. And, you know, it's, it, it, and then it, for me, it's like, on, you have these incredible insights like, oh, I guess mathematics was not invented. It was discovered because here's mm -hmm. this sh geometrical shape right here. This is probably what people saw. This is probably how people began to figure out like the Pythagorean theorem. And then you start mm -hmm. thinking about the rites of Eleusis or some of these some of these sacred, sacred like secret cults or whatever, where they were just, you know, potentially cultivating mushrooms and then like seeing these mathematical equations and figuring things out or, and then you get to, you get to, once you begin to have an insight like that, then you can go back and read the works of Plato or, you know, some of these ancient Greek texts and learn about the different harmonics. Like, wow, it's so amazing that the planets are perfectly spaced apart that we can make music chords on based mm -hmm. on those. Like, well, I think we're all connected Natalia, and we have yeah. the insight the same way you can lucid dream and create a relationship with your subconscious. I think that psychedelics provide us a bridge where mm -hmm. we can understand that we are, you don't really come into this world, you come out of it and you're part of it. And all the solutions are around you if you're willing to do the work and look for them. So is that too crazy? Am I, am I freaking No, out? not at all. That makes okay, total perfect sense. Yeah. I only tried, um, when I was living in Holland, um, mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, mushrooms are just legal there. Yeah. Um, so I, I did... Um, but I was too young. I was 18. Right. Yeah. And I, I wasn't even thinking about that it was possible right. to like heal or like figure this transcendental, transcendental truth. You know, like I, I was just, it was recreational with like some yeah, friends. It was, uh, it was, it was cool and, and everything. But I, 
I, yeah, I, I was mentally, I wasn't where I am right now. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. I do like reading, I, even though I haven't uh, gotten much into doing it. Like I do love reading about it. I, yeah, I just bought this uh, book called uh, the DMT, the Spirit Molecule, which I'm looking forward to read. I haven't started it yet, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. And I just, uh, there's this YouTube channel. There's just this person like narrating psychedelic trips. I love listening to it. Uh, there's this one that really stands out. That was so crazy. <laughs> it was this guy um, that he was saying how he did this like DMT trip with his friend. And um, so he did the trip and, and DMT is like very intense. It's like half an right. hour, but it's like all at once. Like, you know, it's really intense. Um, I, I've never done it either, but I like hearing about it. And um, so this guy says that he went into this like world of DMT and he saw kind of like his life in these different like film strips, you know, like different like frames. And um, he got into this place where he kind of saw like the multiverse, like he saw these different versions yeah. of like his life of that, of where, where he could have gone and like all these different paths and everything. And it just came to this point where he forgot where, which one was the one he came from. And he kind of started freaking out because it was like, what, like, wh how do I know where to go back? There's just so many of them, right? And like this voice came up and told him like, oh, um, no, it's okay. Like, you know, try to remember. And he was, okay, you are uh, John, you were in New York, you were doing DMT. And then he was like, but were you, we, do you come from the world where you were doing it like at the studio or like at the living room? And he was like, oh, at the studio. And I was like, okay, we'll take you back there. And then he came back, started coming back and he was back at the studio. But then he realized when he woke up, he was like, I wasn't here. I was in the living room. So he said he felt like he came to just like one, one kind of frame different from the from the life he had initially done when he did the DMT. It was such a crazy story. I can send you the link afterwards. But I love like hearing all about it. And I find I also really like hearing about near death experiences. I I follow these channels that narrate near death experiences. And mm -hmm. I find there are so many similarities with what people experience in both um both in psychedelic trips and in um in your death experiences and i find that fascinating because it just it, it makes me think that both kind of accessing a similar place or a similar kind of state i don't know uh but yeah absolutely and i really feel like we are uh like in a renaissance of psychedelics now yeah. with how much it's been taken more seriously now like medically and how it can like um really be used for healing uh and just get to the root of, of stuff of uh, especially when it comes to a lot of um, mental illnesses instead of just masking symptoms you know and I think that's great I think that it's uh, great that that kind of taboo is kind of dissipating a little bit and uh, yeah it's 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 awesome I think it's great to talk about it so that more people can just start feeling more comfortable about talking about it yeah I agree 100% it the stories around it while sometimes they can be, you know, frightening, I, I think, I think sometimes the psychedelic stories that people tell 
they frighten people that have never done psychedelics before because they don't understand like what it's like. And if you hear a story like, oh man, you know, I, I felt like I died and was reborn. People that freaks people out sometimes. Yeah. But it's not uncommon to have the feeling of time slicing. And I, in some ways, I think the psychedelic experience, be it a, be it a near death experience, because that's a psychedelic experience in itself. You know, it's a life changing experience where you're you're almost rebuilding who you are. Like some of the I think when you have a near death experience or someone close to you dies, then part of you dies. Yeah. But something builds back inside of you like that part of you died and it left a chasm. And all, now all of a sudden there's a hole in your heart or there's a hole somewhere. But sooner or later, something fills that gap and it changes you. And I think the same thing happens on a psychedelic experience. I've had similar experiences where, you know, I've gotten to see every decision I've made and where it would have taken me. And it was almost like I was, I was seeing it from a third person perspective, but mm -hmm. at the same time feeling what it would be like. And it was like, you know, it, and it's so much to take in because it's like doing something for the first time. Like you, you don't really process it to the point where you thoroughly understand it, but you know, what's happening. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Oh my God, if that's the first girl I kissed, that's what my life would have been looked like. Or, Oh my gosh, if, if my son never died, then this is what it would have been like. Or if I would have done this one thing at work, then that would have happened. But yeah. you know, it's just like branching out in like this time dilated slicing motion where you can see it all. And it's just this, it, it leaves you with an understanding that the world in which we're functioning and operating in is but a slice of what is possible. And if you look at, at all the, if you look at a lot of different scriptures and a lot of different sci-fi, like you can see how they kind of come together. And I, I really think that that in some ways, I think that psychedelics not only is having a renaissance right now, but if you look back in times, you can see where people have accessed psychedelics to move the world forward. And I think that's where we are. Like we're like in this sort of stagnant area where we have found the world of materialism is the predominant way in which we see the world. But we're breaking out of that. The same way a silkworm spins a web and gets caught in it, so too do we as a society spin this web and then we get caught in it. Now you can't move, but soon you break out of it. And I think psychedelics are, are a big part of that. And I, I do think it's good for healing. Let me ask you this. There's one, there's one issue that I kind of see with psychedelics, and I'm not a doctor, but it seems to me that in the world of pharmaceuticals and in the world of clinical trials where they're trying the new new drugs and things, they always say this, okay, if you have, if you're schizophrenic or if you have bipolar, if you have any sort of mental illness, then you cannot be in this study because, you know, you could freak out, you, it could be bad. But yeah. that seems like bullshit to me because those are the people that need it the most. And in a weird way, it seems like they're, that's how they're glossing over the clinical trials. Like, look, let's make sure we don't have any at-risk people in these trials. Mm -hmm. But well, then what are we doing? Like, th these drugs probably should be for those people. And it just, it just seems kind of odd to me. Does that seem odd to you, or what do you think? Um, I think if if I was, for example, if I was gonna like be taking care of someone uh, that was doing this trial. I would be wary if they would be like, <laughs> they, they, yeah, like, I could see why they do it. But I, I think, yeah, I, I agree that they shouldn't be left out. But maybe like 
do like another test just with them or something, yeah. but very controlled because, yeah, I think with schizophrenia, I, I could see why it could go kind of bad. I do like um, psychedelics can definitely help heal the world, but I do also th think that they're not for absolutely everyone. Right. I think we had a, a, a bit yeah, of a... Kind of yeah, kind of froze yeah. up there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Just, I, I think that, um, yeah, I think it's for a part, a good part of the population could benefit from them. But I do feel like maybe it's not in some people's path to take them. Um, that it, yeah, maybe it's just not, I don't know, it, it, seeing it from like a more, I don't know, kind of global kind of view maybe some people are not it's not in meant to be in their life i don't know if that makes sense uh yeah, but totally it does. it would be interesting yeah i think it would be interesting to yeah do um do tests with um with people with serious illnesses but i think they'd have to be monitored really closely and like just make sure that they're safe um and that they're given the support after i think more than just like the trip itself it's kind of like in the integration after um, that uh, requires a lot of support. So maybe that's why they're kind of left out in some of the trials because mm -hmm. they know that they have to really be there with someone because a lot of the of, of the effects could happen months after, weeks after. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree, but I also see why they do it. Yeah. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. I just have like a little pet peeve there. I'm like, gosh, I think that these people could benefit from them. They probably need them the most. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But I think just the meant the the brain is just so complex. Yeah, I there's agree. just so much where where we don't know about or like uh, where it can go, where it can take you. That um, I think it, it should be taken with a bit of caution, uh, definitely. When especially in these cases. Um, but for most of the population, they've been proven to be pretty safe. So, yeah, it's and I think that, um, you know, while there is sort of a renaissance happening, I think it's important to say it's not a panacea. It's not going to fix everything. And there could be some nefarious use. Like if you look back to like in the 60s and stuff, when you had like Charles Manson and Jonestown yeah. and, you know, there are some knuckleheads out there that are smart enough to use psychedelic drugs to program people or at least yeah. use some sort of external inputs that they can put in people. And, and look, not everybody being on a psychedelic experience is, is something that I normally do alone. You know, there's, there are recreational ways to do it. If you're going to go to a concert, you can totally have fun. I have nothing against that. But if you're going to do like a heavy dose and you're with somebody you don't trust, you know, now you're now you're back into the problems of set and setting. And if you yeah. are with somebody you don't trust, like there are some pretty crazy things that can happen, I think. Yeah. So it's it's something to be cautious about. I know in the 60s, the CIA had had um, set up these crazy experiments where they would they would take these guys that were going to see like hookers and they would dose them up with like large amounts of LSD and then like <laughs> like film oh them. And like it's so crazy. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think also, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the guy's name. It's, um, 
Ted Kaczynski was the Unabomber, and he was this guy that was in in the United States. You know, I think it was in the eighties that he was sending mail bombs to certain senators or whatever, and he was part of um, these experiment. I think that I think they did some some experiments in the sixties and he was part of like these LSD experiments. And so, you know, there is some literature that says like, Hey, this could be a huge problem for society. If we just tune tune in and turn on all these people and they no longer want to participate in our, in our thing. And maybe there's something there. What, what do you think that, um, what, so let me shift gears for a little bit here. Like, what do you think we could learn about sound by combining sound with psychedelics? Um, I think, uh, I don't know if, I think it would be something very personal. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've read a lot about, um, people like kind of like playing music during like psychedelic trips and just kind of understanding and like experiencing that song differently. Yeah. Like a lot of, I, I've, I, in this kind of like channel where they narrate, um, psychedelic trips, a lot of them are like DMT and they're like seven ten minutes right so they usually play a song so that it um so you can kind of have have some sense of time left because yeah. you kind of go into a place where there's no time but hearing the song it makes you think okay it's been like four or five minutes you know so you just pick a long song or everything and yeah like a lot of people uh kind of narrate how they just experience the song in a completely different way um so i think it would be more like if a personal experience and relationship with sound and music mm -hmm. and really like understanding it understanding it differently like you're in this different your brain is in a different state so it's kind of it's catching up it's processing this like sound information differently so i think more than finding out something like global for for everyone apart from some things that we already know that we're kind of like vibrations we are kind of sound mm. in itself yeah, um, I think it would be more like how you your how you change your relationship to sound and to and to music. I think that's that's what most people could take out of a psychedelic trip uh, relating to sound is your relationship to it and maybe being more mindful of what you hear, you know, um, and just what you consume in general. Um, so yeah, I think I think that that would be it. That's beautiful, Natalia. Changing your relationship to sound. Like, you know, when you, when I change my relationship to anybody in the world, it changes the way I feel about it. It change it most of the time it makes that relationship much more rich and much more rewarding. So that would be something that I think could benefit not only the personal, not only your personal relationship, but it may have profound effects on your life later in life. And I've read some stories about um people that you know they they there's this thing called synesthesia where people that take psychedelic trips sometimes they will they will see sounds or they will they will taste colors you know like they yeah it's almost like the inputs are kind of moved around there and, and maybe that comes from from um sort of processing sounds in Broca's area. Maybe that comes from processing taste in, in different, in the visual cortex or something like that, but that might be an incredible way to create art. And there's also some experiments of people that are 
I, I saw this one experiment where this gentleman was on LSD and he was drawing stuff and then it showed him draw like a sketch at one hour in and then a sketch at two hours in and then a sketch at four hours in. And at four hours in, it was like this sort of Picasso-esque, you know, looking thing. It was really beautiful. I was like, wow, like, you know, maybe you can begin to see the world different through altered states of consciousness. Maybe, maybe that's what we need, but... Yeah. Have you ever thought about setting up some experiments with sound and psychedelics? Um, I've never thought about it per se, but I think now that you mention it, it would be <laughs> pretty interesting, definitely. Yeah. On how like maybe how in this like trials that they're making, something that's very controlled where you can, you know, get data from different patients, you know, to kind of compare it, how maybe playing certain frequencies or playing certain certain music you know if you play one that's on like a major scale or like a minor scale or if you're just playing like a binaural beat how that can affect kind of like your trip you know and what you can do in it i think that would be pretty interesting i don't think that has been done before and it sounds like a pretty good idea yeah i think you should be the first person to do it yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm up for it yeah so what so i guess like if we just play out this, if we just play out this thought experiment a little bit, you'd have to have a control. Maybe you, if you had someone in a room and you played Beethoven, you could measure their, you could measure their brainwaves on a EKG or one of those machines, something like that. And then when yeah. they were, and then if they were tripping, then you could you measure it again. Or how would we set it up? Like what, like, how would it look? I think I would, the way I would do it would be more like having like, say to say a number like 10 people take psilocybin and do it without any kind of like um musical or oral stimulation and then have 10 people um do it with um and with a certain type so with happy music for example yeah. or with like a like tonal tonal chords that can would kind of evoke positive emotions and then kind of have another 10 that would have it with with a kind of like more sad music and just and then kind of like see from the reports afterwards how it it affected their experience i think that's 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 how i would do it more than seeing what's actually going in the brain it's kind of like what they experienced in the yeah. trip yeah and see what kind of pattern can come out of that i like that there's there is it seems to me from the people that I've spoken with, there's all kinds of like playlists people have for like a four hour trip or an eight hour trip. And I bet if we started looking at some of those, you could begin to see the patterns. However, I don't know of any, I know almost all the clinical trials where they bring someone in for their set in the setting. A lot of the places that are providing psychedelic therapy to people are providing music, but I don't know any one of them that have an audio artist like yourself that yeah. would, you know, I think that that would really add value to the test. And I think that that would bring more comfort to the people that are going through the therapy. And, you know, I, I would think that everyone from pharmaceutical companies that are doing the testing to, you know, a home, home, 
people at home that are helping people could use that. We should. I'm going to talk to some people to do clinical trials and tell them. To Absolutely, talk to you. I would be, be so down to that. Like, right? I, I would, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and it would be really interesting. Apart from an amazing experience for me, that would be like interesting. <laughs> I think for like <laughs> for um, to see what comes out of that because uh, just to have like a holistic approach to uh, to that to that kind of. Um, the kind of therapy of psychedelic therapy is to include all the senses that that makes a lot of sense and given how much sound can influence what we what we experience just normally just in day-to-day -day life like it's it's inevitably going to have an impact on the on the experience and if sound can certain frequencies or, or certain music can influence positively um, a psychedelic therapy, then it's, it's an easy and, and a good tool to use. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of anchoring. You know how sometimes if you smell, you know, smell is like the closest sense tied to memory, but I've also had the same sort of response when sometimes you hear a song, you think of a time that you had with somebody. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could, if, if the sound during us, like, let's say that someone had a big problem with anxiety mm -hmm. and they went and they took, they had psychedelic therapy and it helped them with their anxiety. I'm wondering if, you know, if you were to implant a song or tie or anchor a sound sound. Yeah. Yeah. You anchor that sound during the therapy. And then when people down the line in a month from now or six months from now, they begin to feel the anxiety they can yeah. play back that sound and it would put them back in that state. I, I bet you there's something there. Absolutely. That that makes complete sense. Absolutely. And it ties back to what we we, we were speaking at the beginning with the lucid dreaming of how easily yes. your subconscious can like, when you have access to your subconscious, how you can plant stuff in there, you know? Like in, in uh, one of these uh, uh, books that are, I don't know if it's the book or the course uh, with this, uh, like lucid dreaming expert called Charlie Morley. He was saying how one of his uh, students, um, he uh, was addicted to smoking. And um, in a lucid dream, what he did was like uh, call up his brain. It was like, okay, I want to speak to my brain. And then this kind of like representation of the brain came up and it was like sassy. And, like it had a personality <laughs> and everything. And he told him like, okay, I don't have much time. Whenever I want a cigarette, like just make me not think of it. Make me think of something else. And and the brain just went like, okay. And then he woke up and everything. And uh, he was like two years cigarette free. Like he would just, he says that he would go to the store and think, oh, okay, I need, I need cigarettes. And then suddenly he'd be at home and be like, oh, I, I forgot to buy those cigarettes. Like his brain actually made him think of something else when he wanted like a cigarette or wanted to buy cigarettes. Or, and um, so when you're in a psychedelic trip, you are also having this kind of like access to the subconscious. And um it's a great opportunity to like program something like that. And it, and sound is a definitely a good tool to use yeah. and be like, uh, you know, listen, whenever you listen to this sound, to this sound, just remember that you're good. Remember that you're calm, that you're okay, that there's nothing going wrong. And something like that would be, yeah, definitely a good trial to make to see if that works. If, if, yeah, definitely. You have a great idea there. Well, I got it from listening to you talk about lucid dreaming. So it's yeah. just as much your idea as it is mine. <laughs> it's fat. Like this kind of conversation makes me so hopeful for the future. I, I think that we're, I think we're only scratching the surface of what we're capable of, yeah. whether it's lucid dreaming 
or psychedelics or using the senses that we already have to solve major problems. It seems like in our society that we have farmed out our problems to like coping strategies. When I look at Western medicine, it seems that the idea, and don't get me wrong, there's great, I'm so stoked that we have doctors and pharmaceutical companies that can help us when, we when we're ill, but it does seem like on some level that the strategy of Western medicine is to provide a coping mechanism instead of yeah. a solution. It's like, look, I'm going to give you this pill and then you can, even though you hate your job, this pill will allow you to wake up, feel pretty good about yourself and go do that thing that you hate. You know, whereas a psychedelic medicine or some of the Eastern traditions, they allow you to take something and be like, what the, f what am I doing? Yeah. This is horrible. I shouldn't do this. I'm going to yeah. stop doing this. You know, I'm not going to take a pill that makes me. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. I think the pharmaceutical companies, when it comes to comes to like more physical illness, then they're great. You know, if you have an infection, you want to take, you know, absolutely. antibiotics, you know, if it's gotten too bad. Um, if you have a cut, you know, you want to put something there, you know, that's great. But when it comes to mental health, um, yeah, it's it's definitely like a whole other story. I think we should be looking into into other things that get to the get to the root of you and everyone is it's like an individual person like it's an individual um you know with your individual thoughts your individual life journey so if you have something that instead of like numbing you or just doing something that's going to have the same effect on everyone you see like a psychedelic trip is just so individual like not no one person has the same experience so it just gets to the root of you personally of who you really are and that's that's exactly i think what people with mental illness some or even if they don't have mental illness i think just in general i think you shouldn't be limited to like people with like um anxiety or depression i think um anyone can benefit from it like you know you can just feel okay with your life just feel fine but you there's always room to expand and to know more and to um just get to the essence of who you really are and I think it, with mental health, the closer you get to truly connecting a person with their essence, with who they really are, the more likely they're to succeed in um, in healing or like getting better or just expanding, you know, I think. And of course, a an antidepressant is not going to do that. Yeah, it's the brain chemistry and the different neurotransmitters that just coursing through our brain. Like it, the whole idea of it, Natalia is so fascinating to me. And the, the more that I think about like, I, my brain is racing on the topic of sound. And I, I'm, even though you and I are talking, we're using words, it's just kind of mouth noises, right? Like we're just making noises with our yeah. mouths and like, you can, un, you can decode that and understand it and know if it's a good sound or a bad sound. Yeah. And when you look at like the ayahuasca ceremonies, they usually sing, the shaman will usually sing like Ikaros and like yeah. these little songs that have been around for a while. In yeah. Tibetan, they have like the different bowls. And so when we think about, have you ever, like there's been times where I've heard someone sing and I start crying. I don't even know why. Yeah. It's just like a yeah. beautiful sound. Yeah. So I think that there's, I think that the idea of sound therapy has always been with us. It's just that yeah. we have, we have lost touch with it. And I really admire and think it's beautiful what you said about someone aligning with their essence and healing themselves like it does seem like mental illness is just like 
we're probably all mentally ill in some way, but it does yeah. seem like the people that are mentally ill are, are just trapped in this negative feedback loop that they yeah. can't get out of. I think they're just very far away from realizing who they are. Mm. I think I think they're in, and some of us are closer, some of us are like that, and then someone with depression is just very far, not very far not just very not connected to their essence. I think that's, and, and I think that's where psychedelics can help because I think it connects you to your essence because you, you really navigate who you are and what you want. And definitely we're so connected to sound. Like I have like in my shower, I have like, like a Bluetooth, um, yeah. <laughs> like a speaker because I like, I know that like my day is going to go differently if I just, put this like songs that make me happy you know and just so when i take a shower i'm listening to like four or five songs of a playlist and i know my day is just gonna get better from there because i'm already like in a good mood i'm in a good position you know um and it's just so like ingrained in us like i have a five-year-old daughter and with her you know i, I we really try gentle parenting you know um but she knows when my tone has changed like i'm yeah. so sweet to her usually you know, but then she, when she gets naughty, I just, I don't even scream. I just change the tone of my voice and she is immediately like, oh, there's something wrong. Yeah. I did something wrong. Like, because uh, mommy has changed the tone of her voice and she's, and she, she's like, don't speak to me like that. I'm like, I'm yeah. not even yelling. I'm just being assertive. <laughs> you need to do this. You need to do that. She's like, I want you to speak sweet to me. <laughs> and uh, that seems to be enough to like, you know, get her to behave. And it's just ingrained in us sound and how it affects like our feelings and how we process information. Yeah. Like nails on a chalkboard, right? Like, oh, well, like, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, is it fair to say that you have an interest in gaming? Like you work at electronic arts, right? And like, what do you, can you talk about what you do there? Oh, no, no. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <talk> about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's possible that um, that you know, like the metaverse seems big right now? I wonder if it might be possible in the future for someone to simulate what a psychedelic trip is like. I think there's already some. I think I remember like reading a bit about that. I think there's already. Okay, I don't know if I dreamt this, but I remember <laughs> <laughs> when you start losing dreaming a lot. You start like thinking like, did I, did this happen or did I yeah. dream it? Like, yeah. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure I read something about some like trials of like, um, playing a psychedelic experience to people and them having like a similar response to actually having a psychedelic trip with the sub substance. Yeah. And I also read, uh, like two days ago, I was, um, listening to one of these trip reports and there was one where this guy, uh, he was sem semi lucid in his dream and he took, he ate a mushroom in his dream and he had like a, an experience like in his dream. He, it's like he had like, like a, like a psilocybin experience. It, it was really interesting of how like in your brain you can like create that. And definitely with the metaverse, I think they're already trying that of like um, kind of recreating the experience, but I don't know how that would work just because every experience is so unique and individual. Uh, but I remember reading something about that. Yeah, I think I think they're going to try, but I think it would be like making a copy of a copy. You know, like it kind of like yeah. you put in a copy and then it comes out kind of shady a little bit. Yeah, like, ah, this is just a copy. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know how that would work, but I remember people trying that already. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it it seems like it, it and in some ways it it seems like that that might be what their the whole metaverse is is just this an attempt to experience reality that's not reality. And it, it yeah, I I think that there is I think there's a lot of exploration to be done on the psychedelic frontier, but it, it can be scary and like you said it's not for everybody. But there's a lot we can learn there. And I think we've only begun to scratch the surface. I think yeah. that my I have a niece that's getting ready to go to college and she wants to go for sport medicine. Mm. And I'm trying to get her to to write a letter like you should be incorporating psychedelics into sports medicine. Like we've already yeah. spoken a little bit about lucid dreaming and how people are using that to better their performance. But, I, you know, if, if you look at the way psilocybin has been used in the past, you know, by hunters and gatherers, like a small amount. And even I was talking to this girl, Abigail, who's doing some studies on LSD. And she says that you see more, you know, which makes kind of sense. Like if your pupils become dilated, you're getting more light in that's having some effect on your brain. And, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had the, had the, the sensation of sometimes if your eyes stay dilated for too long, like you get a big headache because I, I think the light's getting, you're getting too much light in there, but it is also allowing you to see more. And if you're taking in more information, you're going to have, at least in my opinion, you're going to have more understanding of your environment. In fact, I, I think I should write something on this. Like, I think if your eyes stay dilated longer. You're seeing more around you. And another way to say that is that you have, like, I, I think that's synonymous with intuition. You ever like, have something, ha like, you know something's going to happen and then it does? I think you're seeing it happen or you're seeing triggers or you're seeing markers out there that other people aren't seeing. It's not that you have some extra, it's not that you're being told by God what's going to happen, but you're picking up on biomarkers of some kind mm -hmm. that other people can't see. And it would make sense that, if you, if you, if your eye, and look, it's all over the, it's all over the literature. Like, Hey, that person's eyes are wide open or that person sees everything. Like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I have to think more about it, but I think that there's something there. Is that too yeah. crazy to think of? What do you think? Um, no, I don't think it's crazy <laughs> to think of at all. I, I, I agree that we've only touched the surface of, of, of what we know. I think in a hundred years, we're going to look yeah. back 200 years and we're going to be like, wow, we knew so little back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It would be, it would be, sometimes I think that the, the psychedelic therapy that people are going through is a way that we're evolving and it's helping us to incorporate all the senses. It's helping us to incorporate the ability to see ourselves and the other people around us. And I think that, that makes for a better world. You know, I, I you know, you had said something earlier about, um, people that, are maybe have a mental illness. They seem far away. I think that I thought that was such an astute thing to say. Do, do you know people in your life that have had problems with depression? Like, how did you get to that insight? That seems like a very deep insight. Um, I I think we we all know someone or has yeah. have someone close to that. Um, but I think I don't know. It just kind of makes sense to me. I don't know if I like came to a I don't know when I came to that conclusion what it just kind of it's what kind of like seems <laughs> logical to me of, of um I guess from from reading books about about what makes you feel whole or happy or content with your life they all kind of just come to the conclusion that 
the closer you are to your essence, the more fulfilled you will feel. And that, that makes sense to me. I, I think I've always been a person that has a problem not like doing things that I don't want to do. Like mm -hmm. it's something that really bothers me. Like I've always been like, if I don't want to do something, then it's just, it, I can't like, you know, um, so it's just something that makes sense to me um, that the closer you are to who you are as an individual, the, the better you're going to feel like the more, the, the better your life is going to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't tell you something specific of how I came to that, but I think just from like reading about it, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know if it does to other people, but yeah. Yeah. I think you're really going to enjoy that book. Um, DMT, the spirit molecule. They yeah. he gets in, he gets really into, especially if you like trip reports, because the middle of that book is all about the reports that people have had and like it's oh, yeah. it's so fascinating to read the different ideas and the similarities and the the i i, I was actually really lucky i got to enter I, I interviewed dr rick strassman about that book and some other books oh, wow okay and he, wow, amazing yeah and he gets into he, he's got a couple other books out and and one thing we spoke about that we haven't covered on, on our on our talk yet is the different beings people come in contact with. And some people get a little freaked out because they're like, what do you mean you're, you're in court, you're talking to these other beings that come in and, and hang out with you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had, he goes in depth and he starts breaking it down on a biblical level. The, the Hebrew Torah, he talks about the different prophets in there. And I had asked him, you know, why is it that you are equating these beings in these psychedelic trips towards the prophets in the Torah? And he goes, you know, that's a great question. He goes, I think that the that when you're in a psychedelic trip, if you meet a being in there, you should know who that being is because then you can have a conversation with that being that that being can help you with. And yeah. it just, it's it's a fact, it's, it's, like you said, we're just scratching the surface of it, Natalia, and it, yeah. it blows my mind, so... Yeah, absolutely. You know, as yeah. as we're getting close to landing the plane here, Natalia, I wanted I always ask people, where can they find you? What do you have coming up, and what are you most excited about? Hmm. Okay. Um. Well, they can find me, I guess, like on Instagram. Uh, I'm not like that, you know, active on YouTube or anything like that, like a channel, like. But um, yeah, I'd be happy to accept people on Instagram if they want to connect. Um, and coming up, I don't know, like I've, um, I want to continue making like short films. Um, that's yeah. definitely something I want to continue doing. And I'm very interested in, in doing like films that um, kind of like when people see it, they find kind of some healing i don't know like i did yeah. this short film for the quarantine uh, uh for the uh 2020 which is the one i want the whiff for um and that one we told we told the story um of how uh the pandemic which was very scary at the time this was five months in the pandemic was seen by a child so my daughter so I just kind of like imagined how she would see it so innocent and really what it comes down to was that she saw it like as a great time because she got to spend more time with us and play with us. And I just try to, and a lot of people told me like that they cried so much when they saw it and that they just felt like this, like they, they were able to take out a lot of that, 
the fear and negative feelings that they were feeling during the pandemic. So I, I would love to continue doing that through film and like doing movies and short films and just about um, these kind of topics um, that people can see and kind of relate to and just kind of have this, this kind of like healing with it. I, I would love to continue doing that. There's been so many changes in my life this past year. You know, I moved to a whole new country, you know, starting a new job and uh, doing all this that I haven't had much time to really get in the production side of stuff. But I have a couple of scripts that I've written about that. So that's kind of where I want to head from here. That sounds yeah. you are you are you okay on time? You yeah, want to yeah. talk? Okay, sure. Let's talk more about the films that you have done right there. So this, that film was called Ghosts. Was that the name? Yeah, of that yeah, film? that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so maybe we could maybe we could walk people through, like, what made you decide to make that film? When you could tell us a little bit more about it. Sure. Um, what really made us decide is that there was a like a local, um competition uh, to use your phones because there I don't know how how the quarantine was in different places but in El Salvador it was it was pretty strict you couldn't leave your house except for like two days a week uh according to your ID wow. um and you could only go to the supermarket or pharmacy you know so we had nothing to make that film we filmed it with like an, a phone and whatever we had in the house, which was my daughter <laughs> and whatever else was in the house. Um, but that gave us an opportunity to really be creative and really focus on the script and on what was being said and the sentiment of the film. Um, and nowadays you can do nice stuff with a phone. Like we competed later in other um, festivals with people that had used cameras for their films and, and we, you know, we, we were still able to win. Um, so so there's so much you can do now with an iPhone, seriously. Like, yeah. um, so that, that's kind of what got us into it. We were like, oh yeah, that'd be fun to make, to make something like that. And when we uploaded, like the response, um, was pretty big in El Salvador. Like we were in like in the newspapers, they were sharing it like, oh, they made this film and, and, um, yeah, it was great. So we decided to enter other festivals, um, and so we ended up winning also the first place on the Cinephone Film Festival in Spain um, and uh, just other festivals in general. And yeah, that's kind of what brought us to it. Uh, just uh, seeing that was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. It wasn't like something we had planned or anything. And we didn't think it would have that response either. But I think going back to where we were talking, I just like instead of doing a film that I thought people would like, I just did something that was very true. To what I was feeling at the time I just like sat down and like wrote just trying to remember how I felt when I was little and there were things that I didn't understand going on like difficult things that for the adults but how I saw it differently you know uh in El Salvador we had like two big earthquakes um when I was little and and all of this and just trying to connect to that and trying to connect to my daughter and everything, just making it very personal, very true to herself. And just when you do stuff from that space, just people connect to it. Like, so yeah, my advice for people trying to do films is just don't try and make a film thinking of will people like this or not, just do something true to what you're feeling or what you're thinking, make it very personal and people are going to connect to it. Like I was seeing this, um, 
interview with Quentin Tarantino and when they asked him like what advice would you give he was also saying like just make it very personal like you wouldn't think so but Pulp Fiction is a personal story I just like transformed it into this other thing but in its essence it's very personal and that's how people connect to like art that you do yeah that is a that's great advice and I think everybody should check out that film I I like what you said about I like everything that you said about that particular film, but one part that really caught my attention was that you want to make fi films that heal people. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Um, I, I think it's just that when people see it, there's just something about the film that connected to you that, that you just like feel better afterwards. I yeah. don't know how to put it in words. Um, I recently watched this one, Captain Fantastic, with Viggo Mortensen. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, oh man, you should see it. <laughs> okay. I, it came out in like like six years ago, and I only just saw it. But just at the end, you know, you just, you just, I don't know how to describe the feeling that you have at the end of, of watching a movie that you've connected with on some level, and you just like feel better. You just, you know, that's kind of what I would like to do. Yeah, it seems like, you know, I know some, it seems to me like a lot of the big blockbuster films, they have like just tragedy ingrained in them. And you, sometimes yeah. I leave feeling worse or exactly. I'm feeling gross about my yeah. life or about people, you know, it's like, why, yeah. why would somebody make that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I hate watching like horror films or yeah. kind of like, yeah, no, I, I hate it. But I think there's like a lot of cinema that is, that it's that it's done from that space um even like you know like commercial cinema i think it just kind of depends on the film uh, i think there's every there's so much like in the world there's just so much of everything <laughs> yeah uh, but definitely if uh if i was to continue making movies or films i would want them to have some that kind of like emotion and connection to people yeah, it you know, um, in Hawaii, one thing I really love about living here is that there's no billboards. So if you're driving yeah. down the the street, like there's nothing that's that is competing for your attention constantly. Mm -hmm. So like, you have time to think without being bombarded by messages that want you to buy something or that are telling you don't look right or that you don't have enough. And yeah. when I go back to California, sometimes like I realize like. God, I just feel like, like all oh, kind of uh, anxiety yeah. or stuff. And I realized like, oh, there's something trying to grab my attention yeah. every second over here. Mm -hmm. And it, it it seems the way in which it, at least in, at least where, when I go back to the mainland, it seems that like the only way things can get your attention is to be a little bit more like pornographic in nature, not that it's actual pornographic, but it's, yeah. it's just, it's obtuse and it's trying to grab your attention. And so, you know, I, I think that that is one way the society has, has gone wrong, especially in film and in art is that they're, tr they're trying to grab your attention and make you do something without you knowing at it. So they have to be more and more abrasive. But when you see good films like that, you realize how powerful of a medium it is. And, what it can do like it can have the opposite effect we could be surrounded by beautiful billboards that have like mm. paintings of families and <clears throat> so yeah i i really think that 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 is something that that i would love to see you do more of and i wish more people would do more of yeah absolutely yeah
yeah. Well, that's where we're heading, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Well, Natalia, do you have anything else? Do we should we do you have anything else you want to cover before we go? Um, no, I think we've covered a lot. Um, yeah, and it's been great talking to you. Yeah, this is uh, such a great channel, and <laughs> I'm gonna continue watching whatever you put up. Definitely. Me too, and I hope everyone. I'll I'll link to. Um, is there a place where people can go to watch your film? Yeah, yeah, I'll send you the link. Okay, and then yeah. I'll put it in the show notes there, and then um. Let's sometimes I'll do some panels or whatever, but we should bring on some other people and talk about what a clinical trial would look like with someone yeah. that actually builds them and someone that does sound. And maybe we could form some kind of connection there because I think you'd be Absolutely. great at it. And that could yeah. be something that helps the community. So definitely. I am so up for it. You just let <laughs> yeah. me know and I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, And I'll read more about that as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, find more stuff of, you know, clinical trials that are already happening and, just really be on on it and yeah it's it will definitely be a cool cool thing to do it'll be super cool so that's all yeah. we got for today ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for hanging out with both of us uh check out natalia's film uh connect with her on instagram and um i think we're all thankful that we got cool people out there creating beautiful things that make the world a little bit better so awesome that's what we got ladies and gentlemen thank you so much aloha bye
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.